Hey, this is Tim. I wanted to thank everyone for their support. Remind you that you can help us out by leaving us a rating on iTunes, subscribe to the show, give us some feedback to your family and friends. We also have a click-through link for Amazon. Go to InsideBJJ.com and use the click-through link. Helps us out a lot. Thank you very much, and we hope you enjoy the show. We'd like to present Not Seen Before. I think you want you want everybody to smoke weed. Hey, this is Hoist Gracie, and you're listening to the Inside BJJ Podcast. It was a shroom trip. That's racist. I'm not a racist. That's racist. I'm not a racist. This is Kurt Ocean, and this is Inside BJJ Podcast. God damn it! Jiu-Jitsu sucks. God damn it! I think you want you want everybody to smoke weed. Well, this is sarcasm. This is not a lot of and you're listening to the Inside DJJ podcast. What is up? Welcome to the world infamous Inside BJJ Podcast. I'll be your host, the great, masterful, grand poobah, worshipful, worthy of adoration, omnipotent, all-knowing, omnipresent, Tim Freeman. God, what a letdown that would be. And now we present to you your God, Tim Freeman. Get that guy out of here. He's a bum. He's a bum. Yes, stupid, dirty bum. We got a great show lined up for you today. We have the one and only Alex Canders. Alex is a pal of mine. He is the moonhead at 10th Planet Walnut Creek. Black Belt. Black Belt, really, really talented uh, martial artist and very articulate guy. I, I really like talking to Alex. Um, he's He doesn't toot his own horn ever, <laughs> which is so then like guys like me got to come around and toot it for him because he's a he's a real gym uh, in the jujitsu world. And I'm, I'm really grateful to have the opportunity to pick his brain and, and, and chat with him and talk to him and train with him and all those cool things. Uh, he's been, a he's been a, a good friend to me, uh, in the 10th planet world. So I really appreciate him. So we got a chance to talk to him. That'll be coming up in, uh, in a few minutes and, uh, stay tuned for that. And we do some rapid fire with Alex, which is pretty funny. Uh, to get his feedback on things. Rapid fire is just, I'm just going to throw like different topics out and I just want, I'm going to have him say whatever comes to his, comes to his mind. You know, it's like, whatever, go now, go, go. Give me your thoughts now, go real aggressive. Um, what's going on? So, uh, man, I've been on a cooking kick and you know, I, I, I enjoy it and I plan out my meals and I do all this fun stuff and I just kind of turn it into something fun instead of a chore. Cause you got to eat and you got to cook. Like, so what are you going to do? You got to eat. And if you're not going to go get fast food or eat at a restaurant or have your meals prepared, then you got to cook. 
And if you don't want to throw shit in a microwave or, or, or an oven and eat it out of a wrapper, you know, you got to learn how to make some shit. And I've been pretty self-sufficient in that area of my life. I've been pretty, pretty good about that. And I've actually enjoyed it. My mom, you know, showed me how to make a few things. My mom wasn't the greatest cook. She could have been a better cook. I would like to say she was a mm, uninspired cook. Let's just say that she worked hard. Uh, but you know, she made some real good things though, man. She used to make these stuffed bell peppers that were fantastic. But as a, as a kid, she would like, let me make things. I remember she'd like, okay, you want to make some eggs? And she'd show me how to do shit. And it was a little bit fascinating. And I, I kind of got intrigued by the ability to produce or reproduce flavor or taste. Like, so you eat something and then, wow, I like that. That's a unique taste. Like, how do I reproduce this? And there's certain flavors that you get that you kind of forget how good they are. And then you, you have it again, maybe two or three years later, you'll taste a similar flavor and you're like, oh yeah, damn, I forgot. Like this is, this is that flavor again. Wow. This is cool. And so I kind of got, you know, intrigued by how do I reproduce that? Like, can I make this in my kitchen anytime I want? And so I've been on a cooking kick and one of the things I wanted to do was like just kind of expand my cooking arsenal a little bit. So I've been cooking different meals, coming up with different things. And so I decided I was feeling adventurous. I'm like, I made these spicy beef wraps and that was pretty good. So I'm like, I'm going to make this spicy chicken, this chili spice chicken. And it called for some two particular ingredients. I don't ingredients two in, <laughs> two particular ingredients that I don't uh, I don't use very often or ever, which is garam masala and turmeric. And I should have known better. I should have known better. I should have known better. But I'm like, you know what? We're gonna go ahead and do the turmeric and the garam masala, and we're gonna see what it tastes like. So I made this chili spice chicken, and I spiced it up real good. And I I followed the recipe. I didn't go overboard, but you know, I had to go buy. Went to the store, made my little special trip. And you know the way the store works. When you go to the store, you know. 80% of the people at the store are mouth breathers. You know, it's just like, ah, I gotta get something out of a box. If it takes more than 90 seconds to make, I don't want to make it. It's just a lot of mouth breathing going on at the grocery store. Everyone's in the canned food aisle and the snack, the snack aisle. You, you know what I'm saying? It's like, come on folks. So if you go in there and you actually go to the spice rack and you don't just get like salt or cocoa nibs, you get some real kind of spice like, man, this guy's got, he got fucking coriander. Oh my God. Look at this guy. This guy's got turmeric. Holy shit. He's got cumin. Oh my God. And then guy, wow. So, um, where I like to go, they have this pretty nice spice area with some interesting spices and, um, I'm like, you guys have any cannabis I could put on my food? That would be great. Uh, but so anyway, so you get these spices and you take them up there and everyone's looking at you like you're fucking Gordon Ramsay. They're like, oh shit, that guy's got three spices he put on the conveyor. Ooh, we coming to yell and people start making comments. We coming to your house. Hey, <laughs> hey, when's dinner? <laughs> it's like, hey, fat boy, you come on over when I make this, uh, 
this garam masala spice chicken and you're gonna fucking want to run me out of the country go back to your home we don't we don't eat this way in america so um i went to the grocery store i acted like i was a world-class chef for about 20 minutes got all my got all my food got it all prepped came home cooked it up was feeling good man it looked terrific it looked good it smelled like bum ass but it looked good it smelled like bum ass that had sat on a greyhound bus from let's say from bend oregon to bakersfield bend to bakersfield bum ass on the bus um you know just reeking it up that's what it smelled like like ooh, fuck man swampy swampy unhygienic uncleansed certainly not dry certainly not clean that's what it smelled like not just the plate the whole goddamn house filled up with that smell and i was kind of annoyed because a week before that i had i had made some um not mussels what are those goddamn things called uh scallops i made some sauteed scallops with like a scallop salad style thing and it and it actually tasted okay but goddamn scallops stunk the house up it was like fuck yo like it, my house smelled like fisherman's wharf for two weeks you know it was bad like if my house is gonna spell smell like fisherman's wharf i it should at least come with the guy that jump that dresses up like a bush bushman he jumps out and scares you i want bushman to hang out in my house behind all the plants my wife has jump out and scare the kids in the middle of the night gotcha uh but my house smelled like the wharf so we finally eradicated the fish smell uh which you gotta basically here's the trick it, <laughs> i'll tell you what i learned after i tell you this so then so two weeks later you know i or a week later i cooked this this chili spiced chicken dish and i fucked the whole house up again like bad it's like bad dude like dad what are you doing we know like are you trying to be woke or what like why are you cooking all this shit and it was terrible i had a few bites i let stella taste it like nobody was down with it i made some rice and this big thing of chicken i'm like fuck dude all this food it's like eight meals in here and usually I don't have a problem. I will throw shit away. I do not care. I will throw it away. I don't care. I'm like, oh, should I recycle? Should I give it to somebody? Somebody might need it. Fuck you. It's going in the garbage. You know who needs it? Not me going in the garbage. That's where it's going. Oh, look, it's a good shirt. I could give it away. Well, too bad. They're not here to get it going in the garbage. Oh, it's good food. I could but too bad going down the garbage disposal. Don't care. They're starving people. They're not here sorry going in the garbage i know i sound terrible huh i sound terrible i'm a terrible human so what i did this night was i decided well you know what i don't want to throw it away so uh i am gonna i am gonna go ahead and uh give it away so i called up chuck there's one man i know who will eat food and that's chuck b walker this is a guy that ate cereal out of a shoe because he was missing a bowl. So I'm pretty sure 
that he'll like this. I, I thought maybe he would even like it. This guy's been all all over the world, all over the world. He drove a rickshaw across India in the rickshaw run. I mean, he spent serious time doing international travel. So I figured, yeah, it's probably going to be shit for him. You know, he's scarfed this down like nothing. So I I took it over and I dropped it off. I said, hey, man, this is food. I don't know if you're not going to like it, but, you know, this is uh, this is what we're going to do. And he fucking, he took it and I didn't hear from him for a couple of days. And then finally on the mats, he said, Hey Freeman, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I got to be honest with you. Don't take this the wrong way. I know you made the food. He said, I know you made it and I, and I'm going to give you credit. It's authentic. It's authentic. It smells just like the food in India. And unfortunately, it tasted like something I would have eaten over there as well. Now, don't get me wrong, Freeman. I ate it and I'm going to finish it. But goddamn, it's disgusting. And I was like, oh, shit, man. Like, you should just throw that shit out. But he's such a minch. He's going to finish the whole goddamn thing. So Chuck was the benefactor of the disgusting chicken. It didn't kill him. It didn't kill him. He's still alive. I I don't even know if it tasted good. Like it could have, it may have been, it smelled like you would expect it to smell if you went to an Indian restaurant. It's just not my particular thing. You know what I mean? I've had some Indian food that was okay. Not a huge fan of it. Not a huge fan. Um, But, you know, it's just wow. So... The whole house smelled like wow. Like wow, man. The house smelled really, really bad. And, you know, it's just like, fuck, dude. How do I get rid of this smell? Ah, come on. And so what I did was I decided, well, you know what? I need to get some white people smell in here. Ah, come on again, for real. So I just cooked up some bacon and some toast. And I let them both burn a little bit, just a little. And then suddenly the house, like the bacon and the burnt toast smell overwhelmed. It was like throwing baking soda in a refrigerator that stinks really bad or baking powder. Maybe it's powder. I can't remember. I think it's baking powder kind of absorbs that smell of your bad refrigerator. It was kind of like that. The bacon grease and the toast just kind of munged it all up and took it over. So that's the last of that. I won't be cooking that anymore. Uh, so yeah, kind of took the wind out of my sails. I had to regroup. I'm like, damn man, I'm still a white belt. I'm like a white belt that thinks he's ready for his purple belt. You know what I mean? There's always that guy who he's doing pretty good at his belt, and maybe he catches a couple things where he gets on a little run. A couple things work out. He puts two and two together here and there. A couple light bulbs go off, and suddenly this fucker is ready for his next belt. You know what I mean? Uh, and I don't mean the next belt. I mean the belt after next. He's white belt. He's ready for purple. Technically, I'm a high level blue. Uh, but yeah, I got knocked down. Got taken down a notch. And that's cool. Um, speaking of eating, a lot of weird food stuff. One is, uh, God damn, these Costco rotisserie chickens. I just picked one up. Four ninety nine. This thing's fucking gigantic. Like, I, I, what's going on with the Costco rotisserie chicken? How is it so big? Are they inflating these things? 
the reason I ask is all the other rotisserie chickens at everywhere else are fucking, they look pathetic compared to a Costco chicken. Costco chickens must be the fucking bullies of the chicken coop. They're walking around strutting, taking all the food, punking all the foster farm chickens, like putting them in their place. Sit the fuck down, bitch. I get to eat the corn feed first. You know, motherfucker, you don't eat till Costco daddy eats. I just see that. I see the Costco chickens just strutting, man, flexing on motherfuckers, living large. They're like the, they're the fucking lions of the, of the chicken coop punking the Winco. The Winco chicken gets no love. Foster Farm gets a little. Winco gets jack shit. And then like that Pappy's chicken. Oh, man. Fuck you. You're out. You're out. Gone. Harris Ranch, out. No love. Costco chickens, they're running the yard, dude. There's nobody fucks with a Costco chicken. Now, the Whole Food chicken, that rotisserie chicken is a little tricky. The Whole Food rotisserie chicken is like the tough guy from another town. You know what I mean? And he kind of passes through and the Costco chicken and the Whole Food chicken just kind of eyeball each other the whole time. They never quite mix it up. But you know, if they were in the same coop for long enough, they, they would fucking come to blows. Luckily, you never see a Costco and a Whole Food next to each other. Different markets. People that go to Costco don't go to Whole Food. It's a different market, man. You definitely, if you go to Whole Food, you definitely don't get chicken at Costco. I'll tell you that. That Costco chicken, that's fucking Terminator chicken. It'll fuck your shit up, man. You can't even leave it in the refrigerator unattended. It'll start fucking other food up. Destroyed the lettuce. Fucked up the lettuce. Fucked up all the shredded cheese. It was a big block, and then it was shredded when it got done with it. Yeah, the Costco chicken's not fucking around. Uh, speaking of chickens, chicken sandwiches, uh, we had a, <laughs> a self-defense um program going right now on Fridays for, for women. And we got a few women in there and they're doing a good job, you know, and, and they're not regular jujitsu ladies. So they're, they're new to jujitsu. Most of them have kids that do are in our kids program. And, you know, it's like jujitsu is a new thing and they're learning it. And there, there's a little bit of, you know, like you got to kind of get comfortable with it and figure it out. And as there, it's their second class. And as they're doing it, this bum walks up. We have a real fucking bum problem in Stockton. It's bad in California. It's really bad in Stockton. And I have no tolerance for it anymore. See, here's the thing. I'm trying to not be a bum. I'm busting my rear end regularly seven days a week to not be homeless and not be a bum. So when I'm trying to do my anti-bum shit, it's real annoying when the bum comes around and tries to fuck with my shit so he can make me a bum. I don't want to be your bum buddy. I want to be a regular gainfully employed buddy, not your bum buddy. You got it? So this fucking bum comes by and he's watching and he's nibbling on some sandwich that he got. Whatever. I'm glad he's eating. He's standing out in front of the window, watching all the women do their shit, looking like a fucking perv, like the pervy smile, petting a sandwich. It's like, dude, you fucking like doing some weird proxy harassment. Like you're harassing the sandwich the way you'd want to harass a human. You know what I mean? It's fucking weird, man. And so I stood on the inside of the window at the edge of the mats and just stood there and just looked at him. Like, I'm standing right in front of you, man. And this guy just looked right through me. He did not care. 
He did not care. He just sat there, looked right through me, kept looking like, damn, man. So, you know, we got a no loitering situation going on where we're at. We got the signs. We got the city. We got the ordinances. So I I put him on the five-minute timer. It's like, dude, I don't want to touch this guy. I was thinking I would get, like, the spray rig that we spray the mats down with and just go outside and, like, squirt them down a little. Like, run along now. Nah, but, I mean, he, he bounced out of there. I was like, come on, man. Like, if you're going to be a bum, be a bum, but don't fucking mess with my shit. Like, businesses should be off limits to bums. It's one thing when they're panhandling you, like when you're going going somewhere or doing something, but goddamn, man, this one dude's coming three times this week into the jujitsu school to ask for money, and this is what the motherfucker does. He acts like we don't realize he's the same guy. He comes in, goes up to the counter. He talked to my instructor, Sam, for 20 fucking minutes making small talk, talking about the grappling arts, motherfuckers mentioning Gordon Ryan, and then he's like, can I have 50 cents? Get the fuck out of here. Can you have 50 cents? That's racist. No, it's not. It's not. I am the type of person that doesn't talk negative. That's right, I don't. But this bum came in three times, so Stella cut him off right at the pass yesterday and was like, out. As soon as he came in, she's like, out. Out, you get out now. They need, uh, you know, those high pitched whistles that only dogs can hear, and like it fucks up their ears or whatever, drives them crazy. We need like a bum whistle, and we could just play it at our place of business, and nobody else can hear it but bums. Like it's somehow if you if, if you're a bum, only you can hear it, and it just drives you away. Like uh, I don't want to go by the gainfully employed. I don't want to go by people who are trying to fucking keep their shit together. You know what I'm saying? And then the other with this coronavirus shit. Oh my god. Even the bums are afraid of coronavirus. Another dude, I am not exaggerating. Another dude in the middle of day class was skirting by and uh, opened up the front door and said, I just got to get some sanitizer and went pop, pop, took a couple squirts of the Purell, rubbed his hands together and walked on off. Just popped in just for a quick sanny check. I just got to get my my manny sannied. I got to get my hands all sannied up. I got a busy day of bumming around. I don't want to catch no coronavirus from some fucking working stiff after he gives me some money. Motherfucking fat fuck came back from his cruise in China. Goddamn guy gave me $5 when I was street begging and gave me the fucking corona. So yeah, these guys are, they're lubing up with their Purell, getting nice and bum clean. Like Jesus Christ. Wow, what are we doing? What are we doing? I don't know. But Gordon Ryan bought a house. That's pretty dope. Congratulations, Gordon Ryan. I'm super happy for you. I know it's a it's a tricky thing. You know, you got a house, man. I think that's uh that's really awesome. And I think it's cool that you you put it on Instagram and, and I like you, Gordon. I actually like you, Gordon. I just think you're a young guy and you're figuring it out. And it's, and we live in a weird world now with Instagram. I didn't have to grow up with that shit. So when I was 20, 
22, 23, I didn't have the opportunity to toot my own horn on Instagram. I had nothing to brag about anyway. I was not nearly as cool as Gordon Ryan, but I'm just saying like, you know, so sometimes you see two sides of them. You see the side of them that's like, fucking Macy's didn't give me my bed. And then you see the other side where he's like, I'm really grateful for all this stuff and it's all for Master John Danaher. I wouldn't have any, like, I think he gets it. I think he's a smart guy. I think he knows his place, but he's also trying, trying to hustle it, so... Good job for you, Gordon. Uh, and I just wanted to give a little uh, tip about Gordon. This is just a little tribute to Gordon, and it's some uh, house rules, some uh, information about Gordon Ryan's new house. If you didn't know that, I just wanted to uh, clue you in here. Gordon Ryan bought a house, and it's important that you know that Gordon Ryan is renting a room to John Danaher. The fucking guy's up all night playing Tetris. Each shape can be wedged into proper alignment with the next shape, creating a perfect fit, Gordon Ryan. Nikki Ryan, fetch my boots. Gary Tonin, where's my bald cap? Nikki Ryan, Gordon's little brother, he moved in. He called dibs on the room right next door to Sonny's private bathroom. We think that's kind of weird. We know Nikki's a growing boy, 17, 18 years old, but come on now. That was your sister. The crazy thing about all of it, we know Gordon loves Sonny, that Gordon and Gary are sharing bunk beds in the spare room. We just like to wrestle. Fucking Lloyd Irvin's pissed about it. He's like, Gary Tonin, you could have fucking, you had bunk beds with DJ Jackson when we were doing the Kumite. What you fucking going to bunk up with Gordon? Come on. And uh, speaking of former Lloyd Irviners, the number one rule at Gordon Ryan's house. Tina Cornelius is not allowed over. That's right. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The world is coming to the beautiful Orpheum Theater. March 8th in sunny Los Angeles, California. California, California. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. Combat Jiu-Jitsu Worlds 2020, the featherweights. Who will win? I don't know. Slap like a bitch. I hope so. Featuring elite athletes. Nachos. Chips. Drinks. The legendary Imanari, Imanari, Imanari. Snacks. Hey, there's pizza next door. Buy tickets to watch this event live. Go to Instagram, Combat JJ Worlds, to stay up to date with all the latest changes at the Combat Jiu Jitsu Worlds 2020, The Featherweights. Share it with your friends. Go to Instagram, Combat JJ Worlds. Watch it in the convenience of your own home. Oh, yeah? Drink beer. Watch fights. It's all good. Go to Instagram. Combat JJ Worlds. I hear jiu-jitsu is really good for balance. Jiu-jitsu sucks. 
Welcome back to the Inside BJJ Podcast. I'm joined on the line with one of my good friends in the jiu-jitsu world. He is a black belt, a first-degree black belt in 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu, the one and only Alex Kanders. How you doing, Alex? How's it going, Tim? Uh, happy to be here. Very honored to be uh, on this program. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to have you, man. Uh, I, I feel like sometimes, uh, getting, getting people that I know to come on the podcast, like I'm just roping them in to help me move furniture or something like, Hey man, are you busy on Friday? <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I, I haven't been on a whole lot of them. Um, I, I think of myself as pretty dry most of the time, but I listen to a lot of podcasts. There you go. So you're an expert. Oh yeah, that makes me an expert. That's how it works, right? <laughs> hey, Alex. Uh, one of the things I I really uh, I'm fascinated by two types of jujitsu people: the type that never did anything, like no wrestling, no anything, like zero zilch nada, and then as an adult decides. Hey, I'm going to go train jujitsu, right? Which is kind of the bucket I fall into. And then there's the opposite bucket, which is uh, I'm equally fascinated by, which are, which are guys like like yourself who have been training martial arts since you were a kid in various different styles and forms. And you just happen to currently be into jujitsu now, but you've been a martial artist your whole life. Essentially, is that a is that an accurate statement? Yeah, yeah. That's- that's, that's pretty much how I, I did it. You know, um, I, I grew up with, uh, a bunch of sisters and, uh, I, I didn't have any brothers to play with. So, uh, martial arts was really helpful as far as that went. I just dove in deep once I was like 11, started with, uh, Kempo Karate. Martial arts was your brother. You're like, I have an imaginary friend. His name is Karate. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Well, I was, I was always getting out of the house to train. So, um, yeah, I just went from one thing to another. When you started in, in Kimpo karate, you know, as a kid, was it something you had to convince your parents to do? Cause I, I know with my folks, I, I wanted to do some karate as a kid and my parents, my parents looked at karate, like they looked at a timeshare or anything else. They're like, no, that's too much. We're not going to do that. Like, you're not going to be good at that. Forget it. How did your folks kind of treat that when you were a kid? Um, well, my, 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 uh, my sisters that had their things, like, uh, most of them were pretty deep into basketball and I was never like into team sports. I tried a bunch of stuff. And then, uh, when I was going to middle school, I was, uh, I felt like I, I needed to be doing something. Um, and initially it was the way that I phrased it to my parents was like, oh, you know, this is going to be rough going into middle school and I got to learn some stuff. <laughs> and, uh, but <laughs> like, like, honestly, report- I think <laughs> like you're reporting yeah. for prison. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, I gotta be ready. You know, it's like, what was that? What was that movie with, uh, um, oh shit. Will Ferrell. There's, there's huh? movie where, yeah. Will Ferrell was getting ready for prison. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. I, yeah. Right. But it, it, it didn't take much. And then once, I, I tried it and my parents were really supportive of it. Um, and then they, they've always been really supportive of sportive martial arts training. So, and, and when uh, you, when you got involved, how, how far did you go in, in Kimpo? And then at what point did you start doing some other things? Cause I see you trained in a screamo, which is pretty interesting. When did that come up or was it all kind of at the same dojo? So it was the, the first, the first, three black belts were, 
all following the, the same instructor. Um, so we would go and train with other people, but he was pulling me to like wherever he was like excited about training next. So I ended up with all these certifications and things. <laughs> nice. Um, but I got my, I got my, uh, black belt in Kempo karate when I was 15. And then, um, I was concurrently training in, uh, so the Filipino martial arts, uh, you, there, Filipino martial arts, there's a lot of similarities between different ones. Um, but depending on the lineage, um, it may be a uh, Kali or it might be Arnis or it might be Eskrima. Um, and then the first, the first one that I, I, I had done some Kali drilling, like some drills, like from Dan and Asano kind of thing that we got like secondhand. Um, so that, that piqued our interest in it. And then, um, we ended up, uh, training with the Pressus family. Uh, in, uh, they called their system Combaton, um, but it was, uh, Arnis, Arnis de Mano. Um, and, and then, uh, later on in Eskrima from there. And, so. and, and when I think of, when I think of like Filipino martial arts, and this is because of my limited exposure and, and for sure Eskrima, I'm thinking of sticks and blades. Is that, is that an accurate way to describe that? Oh yeah, we spent a lot of time uh, training with those. Um, you would use this, like, so they, they would have the, the process system. They had uh, just a lot of sets of techniques and it, it, drilling, drilling wise, like you could end up doing a lot with them. Um, and then they had sets based on uh, two sticks, which would be, it could be a stick, but you could also use it to simulate a machete or a blade. And then you, you'll have like a, like a, a dagger, or uh, staff, and then uh, they would mix some of them too. So one of the one of the pairings that would come up a lot was the espada daga. So it was like a it was like a basically a sword and a and a dagger. So it was kind of cool. You could play around with some cool stuff with that. How um, how dangerous are because when I this is something I've I've talked about a little bit and I've and I've talked to other people and I've, I've kind of jumped down like the YouTube rabbit hole on it. And, and looked into because you know like in jujitsu there, there's a there is a part of the self-defense curriculum that deals with weapons right like weapon takeaways gun takeaways knife defense and you know when i look at that i get really scared because i think damn dude jujitsu already has a high failure rate built into all the things you try like your first technique hardly ever works in a match there's counters on counters on counters and even when you're going up against an unskilled person, like a lot of times the first thing doesn't work. And so I think like a gun takeaway, damn, what if the first thing doesn't work or a knife takeaway, right? When you're talking about self-defense and you're dealing with like weapons and blades, what's your kind of overall thought process on that? Like, how do you feel about that? How important do you think it is? And, and what's your experience level with it? Well, I think, okay, so later on when I made it to jujitsu, my opinions on things ended up shifting around quite a bit. Um, but it, a lot of it had to do with the selection of who ends up training. And, um, so with the, the martial arts I was doing, uh, it, it ended up being of no consequence, like whether or not I, uh, succeeded with the technique because it was just for a training purpose. Um, when I trained with the weapons, it was like, um, it was like a way of, 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 visualizing a path, you know, or like a certain hot zone 
that you have to pay attention to. So it ended up being like a lot of training modifiers that are actually like really neat to explore. But if I had a necessity to use those techniques and I thought that like I would have to, you know, I'm going to be in a situation where I'm really going to have to deal with somebody with a knife, you know, things like that. Um, I would go, I would, I would, I would suggest much, much simpler and I mean, avoid those situations as much as you can. Um, there's a lot of martial arts out there that will make a lot of tall claims. And I'm not saying that, that, that it's not worth practicing. Like a lot of mar- all martial arts have like a thing, you know, they have, a, they have an interesting angle that, you know, someone, some other one is just not exploring. They're not thinking about that the same way. And, and so, you know, like philosophically, like you can see value in a lot of things. Um, but like, as far as those real situations, uh, really keep it simple. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not training those techniques to really try to, uh, get, a, get, you know, get the knife away, disarm it, take it away from somebody, get out of there. Um, within those weapons, like there's certain things that you have to pay attention to, like a, uh, in, in close range, a knife is more dangerous than a gun. Sure. Um, if you're within contact of it or you're within like the reaching distance, the, the gun, you just have to worry about the laser, the, with the knife, you have to worry about the blade and the blade is live at all times. And it doesn't matter how strong the other person is. They change an angle a little bit. You went to grab something. Now your hands cut. So, um, it, it's, it's pretty serious. Uh, one of the a video I'd recommend for uh, people that are interested in that is um, the the scrima that I ended up training uh, later on in my in my in my training um, was uh, through uh, Rene Latosa, and he he put a video out where he has his daughter um, with a uh, sharpie marker, and she's not trained really. I, I think I'm pretty sure she's not trained. If 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 she is, not much, and it doesn't really matter the training of the person but he really is trained. He spent a lot of time on it. And just to show the danger of it, he's like, yeah, go ahead and mark me with this. Like, while I try to take it away from you. And an untrained person can do, you know, vast damage to somebody, even if they've practiced a bunch of techniques and and everything. It's just dangerous. Yeah. It's, it's pretty fascinating to me to see that aspect of it because I didn't come in as a martial artist with a martial artist background. I just came into like jujitsu, mostly looking for grappling. Like, Hey, I want to grapple in like a sportive way, really. And then my, my interest started to shift around over the years and self-defense became interesting and important and, and all those things too. But at the same time, uh, understanding that like the differences between a knife and a gun and specifically a blade, how dangerous and how scary it is to have to deal with it in a situation like that. And, and, and it got me thinking like, you know, something Hickson said that was interesting to me, not just because it's Hickson, but because it's interesting. He said that if you're, if you're like training people for self-defense, things like that, like knife takeaways and gun takeaways, 
and you're not like being really, really clear about, Hey, this is specialized or like, like you're saying, like, this is a training modifier, but if it's being presented like, Hey, this is a valid technique. You need to know how to do this in case that happens in real life. You better be training that shit every single day. You got to rep it just like you're repping your mount escapes and your arm bars and in your takedowns and everything else. Like it has to be part of your core or it's just not going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. And it's almost irresponsible to present that kind of material without the that type of disclaimer but it, it, would you agree with that oh 100 percent, 100 percent agree with that yeah i want people to like understand the gravity of um you know that situation because yeah. you don't want somebody to look at it because there's there could be a guy out there that's like you know you hear these stories like early jujitsu days is like gyms where they're like going out to bars to try to Mind guys yeah, right. do it too. And you're like, that's, that's dumb. That's like really dumb. And then you could create that kind of situation, but now there's weapons involved and you're like, no. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, now there's a salty biker at the end of the bar and he's going to show yeah, you what's yeah. up. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It, yeah. It make, it'll make you feel like you're safer in the situation than you are. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. And, and even, uh, even using having to just use jujitsu without a weapon in a real street fight, self-defense situation that alone, like heightens your awareness. And you're like, Oh shit. Like this can go down right now. Like what's by me. There's concrete, there's a chair, there's a table. Like you have to kind of start thinking a little bit differently versus, Hey, there's some padded walls and a big giant mat space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. The environment makes a huge difference. I mean, even, even little things like the fact, like, uh, you know, if you're doing a fight and all of a sudden the ring changes, you know, suddenly it's in a diff slightly different size thing. You're like, ah, everything's just a little bit off now. Yeah. Right. If you're yeah. trained, I've always, and the, this is a good segue because I wanted to ask you about mixed martial arts. I know you, you, I know you have fights and I know you're active in that, in that scene. And I, I, you know, one of the things that kind of I look at sometimes is you'll see training footage or you'll see where people are training for a fight. And sometimes they, they don't have access to a cage or a ring or they're training in a ring, but they're fighting in a cage or they're training in a cage, but they're fighting in a ring or the cage they train in is like a miniature cage. How does that yep. impact performance wise? Like, have you ever had that experience where you're like, damn, I trained in this, but the dimensions of the actual event were off and it like altered my game. Um, I, I mean, my last fight, I did have that experience, but it wasn't so much that I didn't have the opportunity to do it because, um, I do have the opportunity to train in an MMA ring and in, uh, a, I think it's a regulation size cage. It's not as, I don't think it's like the big US. It's not the size of the big one. You know, it's like, it's one of the, like the standard size ones. Um, but I do have opportunity to do that. Um, but, uh, it ended up getting switched on me. Like, at, on that day. Oh wow! And um, and I and I was I knew it was going to be challenging going into it. I'm not upset about any of it. Whatever it's you know you you make peace with the outcome, the possible outcomes. Like before you do it, um, you know you you're 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 going for a thing. You you know you you want to succeed. Um, but I also I did recognize the size of the challenge in front of me because I went up a weight class and but anyway it, it was it was whatever. But the um, the, the the fact that it was suddenly in a ring versus a cage uh, did change it a little bit, and then the person being a little bit bigger and longer 
plus I, I you know I, I still have things to work on outside of that sure it's not, I'm not make, I'm not trying to make an excuse I'm just trying to acknowledge the variables that are there and I'm I'm, I'm already like putting in work to, like I, I I lost that fight um, but I'm still training to beat that guy <laughs> you know yeah so so um, that that stuff that stuff does matter but I would say most sometimes it matters mechanically like if you if you have a wall, you can do a lot of the drilling and like it will be very similar. Um, but if you have a cage, there's like a, a spring element. And then the fact that there's a, like a, you know, it feels like a cheese grater on you. Oh um, yeah. It's part of it too. But so but that usually, if you're in a fight, it's not that you're, you're probably not going to feel that right away. I wouldn't think. Um, but, uh, then the, and then the ropes are a little interesting because the, 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 uh, the size of the ring, um, is a, a square or sorry, the shape is a square and it's a little bit smaller. Um, whereas it's, it's much easier to cut somebody off in there as opposed to a hex or an octagon. Oh yeah. There's so, more, uh, more angled movement in an octagon or, or, yeah, or a circle. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So that, so that, that make, yeah, it's, it's a different challenge and then ropes can be interesting as far as grappling goes. Cause you might end up stuck in it. Um, you have to be careful about going through the bottom. Um, whereas in a cage with a cage or a wall, you can use that to get back up to your feet. Do, do you think it's, it's harder to train in a smaller size, uh, you know, environment and go up to the larger size? Or do you think it's harder if you're prepared for the larger size and it gets cut down and you have to actually perform in the smaller size? I think it's, I think it's harder to do that. I think it's, it's harder smaller. for it to be. Yeah. Because you might, um, the thing like you can get away with, uh, like shuffling out. You could, you can make space and then decide. Right. Yeah. But if you, if you're in a, a smaller environment, then you have to make sure you're, you know, you're tuned to it. So you do the right size step before you adjust like stuff like that. Interesting. So, um, you know yeah. what I'd like to see an event where each round we can just, as the match goes on, like, like in Fortnite, the, the, the perimeter just gets smaller and smaller. We just start shrinking hey, that cage in. Yeah. And by the end of the third round, yeah. it's a fucking phone booth. You know? Yeah, just, again, the phone booth. Yeah. yeah. That's when, that's, that's when the Wing Chun comes in. That's what that one. Right. All day. That, that'd be a, that'd be a cool test. Talk about claustrophobia though, man. It's already bad enough having somebody pressed up on you, but now, now the box you're in is getting smaller. That doesn't sound like fun. Yeah, that would be, that'd be an interesting variable. Oh, but, um, as far as how much it matters, I think the biggest thing though, like is, uh, how the athlete perceives it. Yeah. So yeah. if, if they, if they look at this and then it's like, Oh crap. I'm not used to that. Then that can put doubt in their mind that can really affect the fight. Um, and then, but outside of mechanically, you know, does it affect the fight? Yeah, that's interesting. I see what you're saying. Like if it gets in your head, then it is affecting the fight, but it's not really having a mechanical functional impact on you. It's more of an internal right. intrinsic kind of, kind of thing you got to deal with. Yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense. Oh, so, so you're, so you're, obviously you have this wealth of, of martial arts experience and, and you come across 10th planet jujitsu. Can you describe that? Like, how did you meet Denny? Uh, I don't know if he was your first contact, Denny Prokopos with 10th planet, or did you, did you come into jujitsu some other way? How did that kind of system I, work out? 
Um, I did. Uh, so I, I, I actually emailed Eddie as the first contact with this. <laughs> nice. um, and this is like, this is one of my favorite stories actually. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's just, it's not long. <laughs> oh no, no. But, uh, so I, um, I was researching martial arts at the time I had been, um, we had, we had, so as I had followed that, followed the instructor, um, from system, martial arts system to martial arts system, um, he basically would drop what he was doing before and do the newer thing, drop what he was doing before, do the newer thing. So we had actually done a lot of things that you even see in MMA now. It's just that we ended up dropping it and focusing differently after the fact. Um, so at the time we had been doing a lot of Wing Chun and Eskrima. And we used to be like kickboxing, grappling and all of that. Um, but, um, it, he took away a lot of the sparring elements and like the way that the way that we train changed. So I was still hungry for that. Um, so I was looking for, uh, people to train with that wanted to train the way I wanted that I still wanted to train. And I ended up, uh, on a website called bullshitto.net. Oh yeah. I know. Um, bullshit. You, yeah. It's a, you know, yeah, bullshit. Yeah. It's a yeah. great site. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. And then I really like, I, I, I read some of the stuff on there, you know, like they do the dojo storms and they do like, you know, your martial arts sucks and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I was really just on there because they had a, a meetup forum. So I ended up, uh, going to some of the meetups and I met other people that were kind of in a, not, not exactly the situation I was in, but you know, they're, they're wanting to do something. They're wanting to train with other people and they're trying to figure it out. And, um, and I ended up, uh, you know, grappling with people. I wrestled in high school. I was not a good wrestler in high school. Um, it was really good for me and I'm, I'm better now, but like I wasn't, I wasn't a good uh, wrestler. Um, and then when we had done, uh, grappling with my previous instructor, it was, uh, it was good. And I always like did pretty well in those situations. So, um, so I, I continued that and I was like, okay, I want to get some more information. So I, the, I got the rubber guard book, um, and I got the, uh, the rubber guard DVDs <laughs> and I started, I started drilling it. And I, this is me from, you got a picture. I'm a just traditional martial arts guy. I, you know, I done what I done. I don't really have a, a pulse on the jujitsu community. And, um, and then after reading the book and like drilling it and then like, uh, competing, I competed in this thing called sports jujitsu, um, which is, uh, it's like a judo plus some striking. So, Wait, so you, um, you, you, you competed in the, in this tournament without really training at a, it like with a jujitsu team. Yeah. I had been, oh, I had been competing. Wow. I was, I started competing <laughs> in it by reading, I was reading the books and then watching the videos <laughs> and then, <laughs> and you've met Corbin. Yeah. Uh, one of my, one of my guys, he's my, he's my brown belt. Anyway, he like, I was, he was, he was there. Like while I was doing all that, <laughs> and he was so helping awesome, me. He was dude. like, I was like drilling it on him. And then, so anyway, after this, I was like, wow, I was just like really into it, really excited. And so I, I write up an email to Master Eddie, and I was like, all right, I want to open an academy. 
<laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. That was it, yeah. And then his answer was, you're too green, go train. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I saved that email. I love it. Because then what did I do? I trained. <laughs> so um, then I... Uh, I was already going to, I was going to school, uh, SF state and commuting for that. Um, so I was just finishing my program there and I was like, all right, I am willing to commute for my education. And if this is what I want to do with my life, I am going to be willing to commute for this education. So, um, I got in contact with Denny and, uh, started training with him and, you know, wow. Been with jujitsu ever since. That's how I. That's how I got into Tenth Planet. It, dude, the the, it's like, I am fascinated that you entered into jujitsu competitions and grappling matches without really having a strong background or an affiliation with anyone to even do it. Like it, th- that environment is so closed off to the outside world. It's so not friendly. You know, you know, in that sense, it's very like tight knit and you very much have to be part of the community or environment almost to want to go in and do something like that, especially what year are we talking? This is when it was even less user friendly. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, it was like 20, I want to say it was like 2010. Yeah. This is when it's still a little motorcycle gangish, you know, it's like everyone's wearing their well, team, team shit. You know, I got to show I, up. I got to thank Sergio for that because. Like I just started Googling and I found his tournament and I was just, you know, I, I just yeah. signed up. <laughs> you're talking about, and then, Ser- and went in. you're talking about Sergio Silva. Sergio Silva. Yeah. His, uh, jujitsu by the Bay tournament. Like yeah. that was the first one that like, that was the first like jujitsu, like grap like Brazilian jujitsu tournament that wow. I was, I was, I was doing and he, he made it, he made it really possible for me to compete. So. Yeah, one of the things that I I really like about Sergio, obviously, I got my black belt from Sergio, so I I think he's a good dude. Um, but he's his openness to jujitsu and to people and to everyone trying it and like just putting it out there and seeing what happens. It's always been very um, uh, interesting to me. Like very, I've always you know been attracted to that, and I've always wanted to hang out and talk to him and get to know him better because of his kind of approach to jujitsu, because I was so used to, um, you know, like all the black belts and the higher level guys were a little more like not super open and friendly like that as much, especially to just outsiders or new people, you know? And he was very much like, Hey, let's do it, dude. Like, come on. I remember talking him into, and this was before I was, part of 10th planet talking him into with Denny's help into doing uh, an EBI rule division in one of his tournaments. And he's like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Fuck it. Let's do it. You know? So he's always yeah, been like I, I super know, dope like that. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know. I'm not surprised that you had a part in that, but yeah, it was, he was, he's always cool. Um, he's just trying to, he's just trying to help the Bay area, uh, grow their jujitsu, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he, he has, man. He's, he's pretty amazing. Um, like that. That's pretty cool that he was, he was a part of that. So you competed, you're doing jujitsu, man. And obviously at some point you became pretty focused on jujitsu. Was there any point where you're like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do 
a hundred percent of the time. Oh, as opposed to another uh, profession, uh, or as opposed to um, is is a martial artist? Martial art. Yeah, as a martial artist, okay. did you go like, "Hey, this is what I'm gonna do"? Yeah, um, I I had seen some gaps in what I was doing at the time, and uh, ran into frustrations in um, like the so traditional martial arts the structures that are there in traditional martial arts. And, you know, I mean, in jujitsu, like you could say there's some of this there, but it's not nearly the same as in traditional martial arts. But like, as far as they, the way that they structure rank and things like that, um, a lot of it has to do with like the time in time spent in the community and, uh, just time training under an instructor. And, uh, it had to do with, uh, who was there first, not who is working hardest. Sure, sure. Um, so in ju- in jujitsu, there's. I mean, you could say all martial arts have that. All things with the ranking system like have some element of that. But you know, there's there's a, there's like a scale, you know. And um, in jujitsu, it's definitely more on functionality and the fact that there's a competitive any any uh, martial art that is also a combat sport um, is going to have a certain amount of credibility to it. Because you have to be, you know, you have to show that you're at least proficient that way. Right. You beyond just your knowledge, you know, you have to show that you can hang it. You can hang at this level, you know. Um, and then the other martial arts that I was doing at the time, and that my my previous instructor was really focused on, um, really didn't. It, it was it was kind of just like, all right, you're here doing this. Okay, now here's a level. All right, now here's a thing. Okay, now I can. And they would withhold techniques. <laughs> like for later, like I can't so teach you this. Was, yeah. 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 So what ended up happening was, uh, they would show that, that you, what ends up happening is you end up teaching your beginner curriculum repeatedly. Now as a, as an instructor, you'd know that you still end up teaching your beginner cur- curriculum repeatedly because that's what you're going to make. You know, it's like a foundation that you're building yeah. other things off of. Now, if your foundation is flawed, and you're neglecting to show somebody something that may be very important within the, the first part that would make them um, effective pretty quickly, uh, then, you know, the whole system ends up being flawed. Yeah. So I, I, was finding, I was finding that in the other thing. So by the time I was competing, I knew that my focus was going to be jujitsu. Yeah, it, it had um, kind of fleshed itself out. Well, I, I think I, the, the, the thing about jujitsu that is the hook i think that keeps it honest on a certain level is that there is a lot of active sparring and when you spar you can go not everyone's going 100 percent all the time of course but you can still get after it pretty damn hard and you know there's a pretty good whether it's it's whether it's acknowledged or explicit or not there is a tacit understanding of who's who on the mat. You know what I mean? Like everybody yeah. kind of knows like, Hey, if you and I do a round at the end of the round, we both know who got the better of who like that's just, and that's just how it is. And I think that part of jujitsu kind of keeps it honest and pure in, in that sense and keeps it, keeps the reality twist always in play. And on the competitive scene, you know, like, especially now, if you're not, 
if you're not up to speed, like you, they're going to eat your lunch, like right out of the gate, mm-hmm. you know, cause somebody will be up to speed. And, and I think that it keeps it honest in that aspect. And that's, that's always been a, a draw for me. And it sounds like that was something that kind of hooked you into it as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. It became, um, more about like working on your toolkit than following someone else's plan. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it keeps you sharp that way. You're always, you're always having to uh, test and retest. Yeah. Yeah. You're always put to the test. You're always going to the lab. And, and I, I kind of tell my students that like, Hey, you know, we teach you guys in this clean environment, but then like we got to take it out uh, into the wild and test it and see what happens. Does your arm bar work the way you think it should work or what's happening? And you know, how do you kind of reconcile your belief about it versus how you actually do it? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, uh, yeah. it's, that's quite tricky. Uh, I think maybe that's where the addiction comes into, into jujitsu. So you get your, you're in doing jujitsu, you get your black belt from Denny. That's gotta be a big deal. Denny, you know, was Eddie's first black belt. Denny's a great teacher. Some of the things that I've like, I had one experience where I got to go to a seminar that Denny did at the LA jujitsu hotels, what they called it. It's basically like, a, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like a group home for jujitsu yeah. people. Right. So, yeah, but yeah. I happened to be there at the same time. Denny was there and Denny did a, a seminar in their little living area that has mats and Denny showed honey hole. And that was the first thing I'd ever learned on the legs, honestly, like in depth, like somebody actually showed me something that, you know, they kind of knew what they were doing with it. And he was so good at it that I never forgot it. And it became like, like really, really um, natural to me. And I was impressed by his, his teaching style. How, how much has he influenced your jujitsu? Uh, he's influenced my jujitsu a lot. Um, and he's had, uh, he has a, the 10th planet system, um, and all the, all the material, everything that he's worked, uh, from, from master Eddie and stuff. Um, and then he also, uh, had his jujitsu, uh, built by like Jake Shields and, um, and Darren Iyanayama. Yeah. And, and so, um, those, I, I, I still carry a lot of those influences, um, through what I do. And currently I get to train with, uh, Darren pretty regularly. So, um, I can, I can see what parts, you know, I, I, I learned from Denny that were, you know, translated from, they're consistent with Darren, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's Denny's, Denny's influences through me, through my, all my students, it's all in there. So, um, and we, and we also have all of the, uh, you know, the techniques from, um, from master Eddie as well. Um, it's mostly through the channels that, uh, I had mentioned earlier. Yes. Um, we're, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I think that's, that's mostly where it comes from now. Mostly Denny. It, it's, it's interesting to me that some of the names you threw out there, the, all, all these guys in Northern, not all of them, but a lot of, a lot of folks from Northern California, if you step it back 10 years and then step it back, say another 10 years and you trace the lineage, it it all goes back to, you know, just a handful of people 
which is funny, <laughs> right? At least all the gyms in Stockton do for sure. And some of the names you're throwing out there, these guys all came at from the same kind of core group of dudes and you kind of see similarities or at least ideologies that are, that have been passed down, you know, and, and I'm, and I'm grateful for that because I, I spent a lot of time training jujitsu before I ever got into 10th planet jujitsu. And and I'm, I'm grateful for that because I feel like as I'm, I feel like, first of all, I could have never learned it the way you did, like gotten a book and videos. It's like, fuck, there's no way, dude. Like I'm so dumb with some of this. It takes me forever to get it. Like I needed all the nuts and bolts, the real basic well, low the, level stuff, you know, before I could even. One of the, yeah, one of the, one of the things I definitely had that helped me a lot and do it with that, those materials was um, through all the traditional martial arts that I had done, I, I had a muscle where I could uh, just repeat something 20 times without having to, you know, tell myself, oh, I'm done or, you know, whatever, I'm tired of this. Yeah. You know, I, I, would, I, would, I would go and I'd say, hey, we're going to do this 20 times. And each, we're going to, you know, we're going to go through, we're not going to talk. We're just going to drill yeah. and it's going to be this. And you, and then, you know, you have your partner do the same thing. And, um, that helped me have the, you know, the, the will to push through that material. Yeah. Very disciplined, right? You're going to do it. Like whether it's sloppy or not, or however it is, like you're going to focus on it and do yeah, it. Yeah. It will get better. Yeah. No, so. for sure. You're right. You're right. I mean, that's, you know, in, in the end, the people that are the highest rank, really, it's not who's the best, it's who's left, like who stuck with it, who kept doing it, because they accumulate so many reps, so much mat time, so much time in the fire that they get pretty damn good at it. And and yeah, yeah, yeah I could see that 100%. If, it, if I have a superpower, it's that. Like, it's not, like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not smarter than anybody. <laughs> I'm not, I'm definitely not faster or stronger than anybody. I mean, if I, if I am, it's like, because I did that thing, you know, it's not, it's yeah. not like I came to the table like, Oh, I'm just, I am strong or I am just fast. Okay. I'm a little bendy. I'm a little bendier <laughs> than the average person, but like maybe that. And, and anyway, but, but, but like, I just stuck with it. Cause there's so many people that I've seen who are legitimately talented. Like I'm not talented athletically. If I have to, if I'm able to do anything athletically, it's because someone w helped me work on it. You know, that's, that's, that's it. Yeah. I, um, I can relate to yeah. that. I, I, I feel very similarly that the best thing I do is I show up, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and that's it. I don't have, I didn't bring great characteristics athletically to the table. Like I just showed up and I kept showing up and kept showing up and kept showing up. And then, you know, eventually things started to sort themselves out, but it, you know, it, it was all mysterious to me. Um, but getting back to that, I'm, I'm thankful that I had a, a, a foundation in it. And, and I'm thankful that now with the 10th planet, like what I love about 10th planet jujitsu are the fucking people that are doing 10th planet jujitsu. You guys are the oh, yeah. greatest, you are the greatest 
representation uh, or or marketing tool that exists for 10th planet it's it's the fucking people man you guys were great and when i was not part of it i you know like in in the old beginning days there was a lot of shit talking like eddie's a fraud and this and that and it just made me intrigued and every time i met someone from 10th planet or when i met eddie and when i talked to people i started thinking like man i don't i'm not catching the hate like i don't i'm I'm seeing something actually totally opposite of that and it really pulled me into it and made me want to be part of it well I, I think that those um yeah like there's there's a lot of like great people in there um i i, I feel like like i'm uh starstruck all the time you know you got guys that i mean yeah we we started around the same time and stuff and like we were you know, we'd see each other like in different divisions of tournaments or whatever, but like, like with like Boogie and Geo, like those guys, they're, they're rock stars. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So like all of that, but, um, but then, you know, as far as what you're talking about, like any doubts people had about what we were doing, um, you know, in a way, maybe that was a blessing because the people that were about their work are the ones who stuck with it. Yeah. And they weren't about some kind of quick political grab or some kind of a, a thing to make someone else happy. They were like, they, were, they, they could see it. And, they, and like for me, um, Eddie systematizing things made it possible. I, I knew that I didn't want to do the gi because like I had felt at that time, I understand. I'm not, I'm not trying to hate on anything. Here, oh, but like at that how time, dare you, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> but like at that time I was like, Hey man, I got my black belt in karate. I did that. It's cool. You know, I, I, when I fight, it's not going to be in that. So I want to learn the stuff that's sure. not based on that. So that was, that was my thing. And, and like it's right now, it definitely, it, it still is, you know, we'll see on a long enough timeline what happens, but you know, like right when now, I'm old, I'll put I'm the gi on. <laughs> well, I don't know. It just, it, I, I would, I wouldn't say that. I don't want to, also, I don't want to, you know, also I'm not, I'm not trying to make anybody, you know, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad about a choice that they made. Um, I just want, I just understand that I, I think my choice is uh, goal consistent. So, yeah. And I, that's, so that's, that's a, that's a smart way to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Ultimately. Oh man, that's great. I want to remind our listeners, uh, you can get in touch with Alex. He is in Northern California. He's got a great jujitsu program at 10th planet jujitsu Walnut Creek. You can go to 10th planet Walnut Creek.com. That's one zero T H planet Walnut Creek.com. Hey Alex, do you have like one minute to do some rapid fire news with me? All right. All right, so I'm going to fire up the music and I'm just going to read these off. You're going to say whatever comes to your mind. There's no wrong answer or right answer. Uh, Unless I think it's funny, then I might make fun of you and laugh a little bit. But hey, it's all good for the show, right? Mm -hmm. Y'all, uh huh. (laughs) I'll catch you. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's all good. Hey, it's it's for everybody listening, right? You're like, I'll get you on the mat, fucker. (laughs) Okay, here we go. I don't know. All right, here we go. All right, this is Jiu-Jitsu News. Alex, Nikki Ryan is getting buff. What's going on with that? Uh, he's lifting the right weight. <laughs> Same weights as his brother. Here we go. Gordon Ryan versus Pat Downey. They're going to have a sub-only and a wrestling match. I'm excited. Uh, I, I think Gordon has 
the edge on it. I think Gordon in the sub only. I don't know if he wins the wrestling match. I, I think it could happen. I think it could happen. We'll see. It depends if he's lifting the right weights. Here we go. Tom DeBlass. <laughs> <laughs> Tom DeBlass and Hinner and Hedon Gracie, they're both offering to fly this kid out who was bullied from Australia, I believe, and train him. There seems to be a big market now for, like, bully kids and then jiu-jitsu guys helping them out. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of uh, triggering media out there that will get people's attention, but I think that everybody's doing the right thing with it. Very well put. Mendez Brothers announced they are leaving Atos. Um, where are they going? <laughs> <laughs> Bernie Sanders has picked Eddie Bravo as his running mate. Oh, sick. I got to register. <laughs> uh, Jiu-Jitsu affiliate in Oregon promoting kids to junior black belt in Jiu-Jitsu. Who? Uh, <laughs> and last one, fast food just as good as supplements for recovery just came out. Your thoughts? Uh, maybe as good as some supplements. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Hey, Alex, thank you very much, man. I appreciate you coming on the show. Once again, you can check Alex out at 10th Planet Walnut Creek. Uh, it's a pleasure, man, and I hope to see you soon, bud. Uh, thanks, Tim. It's an honor of being on your show, man. Thanks, man. Have a good one, okay? All right. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Yeah, baby. With more Inside the BJJ. Are you tired of getting sand kicked on your face? Tired of getting punked around by a homeless man? Tired of getting punked around? Tired of getting punked around by bums? Tired of being a victim? Do you like being a victim? Don't be a victim. Tired of being a wimpy blubber man? Oh, you're such a wimpy blubber man, aren't you? Get that sand out of my face. Inside BJJ Academy, home to 10th Planet Stockton and Inside BJJ Academy Gi Jiu-Jitsu School. We specialize in self-defense, submission, grappling, wrestling, Gi Jiu-Jitsu, even Judo, the world-famous Inside BJJ Academy. Ah, man. God damn it! Inside BJJ Academy, home to 10th Planet Stockton. Learn self-defense, submission, grappling, wrestling, gi jiu-jitsu, even judo. The world-famous Inside BJJ Academy. Earn a black belt in gi jiu-jitsu and 10th Planet no gi jiu-jitsu. The only place in the world. Inside BJJAcademy.com. I really got into yoga. And that's a lot of breathing techniques and meditation. Meditation's terrific and all, but never heard of it saving anyone from a gang rape type situation. Meditate on that. 
Oh, thank you so much for listening to my show. I am completely 100% full of shit if you didn't know that, but I love jujitsu and I love talking. And so I kind of mixed both of these things together. I want to remind you guys that you can check us out on Instagram, Inside BJJ, Facebook, Inside BJJ Podcast. Download the app, Inside BJJ. Come see us, 10th Planet Stockton, Inside BJJ Academy. Keep trading. Don't be a bitch. Skeet, skeet.